My name is Rob Hanrahan, and you're listening to the To The Point podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Summer Sportswear, where you can now use code KEEN10 to get 10% off all your Summer Sportswear products. Check them out on social media and on their website. Now, on to the episode. So, my first question, Rob, would be, um, how would you describe what it is you do? That's a really interesting question. Um, look, I'm a news reporter and an anchor, so I suppose I have kind of two, two different roles in that. But the way I see it is my job is to, I suppose, present the news factually, impartially, and to do so in a way that's easy to digest. I think that's the best way best way to describe it. Um, I often think of one of the first times I was in the Department of Health for one of the, the COVID-19 briefings, and there was so much going on and so many facts and so many figures being thrown at us, and ones that were quite hard to understand, really, and comprehend in the, in the scale that we were talking about. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, God, like I, I wish there was a summary of this that I could read. And then I had that moment where I realized that that's actually, that's your job to create that summary. Um, so I, I often think about that whenever I'm kind of struggling maybe to break down a story or trying to pick out the top line from it, um, that I often think about that. That's what you want. You want to present, I suppose, exactly what is happening in the broadest way possible, in the fairest way possible. But I think in the simplest way possible as well. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And like, what is a day in the life like for yourself? Let's say you mentioned there you go back into work Monday or tomorrow morning. How would that go? So it's funny, like so people will tell you that no, no two days are the same in media. But to be perfectly honest, like the day in and of itself can look very, very different. So if I'm on a reporting shift, I'll find out my story early enough in the morning and I'll get moving on that straight away. And we have three bulletins during the day. We have a half 12, we have a 5.30 and we have a seven o'clock bulletin. So you're basically producing your story for those three days, for those three bulletins, sorry. So it might look like you could be packaging for 12.30, live at 5.30, packaging for seven, or any combination of the above. Um, And what people quite often don't realize as well is is the amount of work that goes into even, say, a live report or a package, because we set up our interviews. Like, we contact who we are speaking to. We arrange the interviews, we do the interviews with our cameraman. Um, we pick out exactly what clips we want to use. If we're doing a live, then obviously we prep and we we operate live. We don't have an auto cue in front of us, like it's just us on a notepad or a phone. Um, and then if you're packaging, like news reporters will generally do their own editing as well. So we would, I suppose, pick out the shots, we write to whatever shots we have. And then we have kind of, I suppose, more professional and more qualified editors than ourselves who would polish it off then for it to be able to go to air but there's quite a lot involved in that but I suppose in terms of what an actual day can look like it can change in a split second as well so yesterday for example um I was packaging on the the heat waves that are going across Europe focusing on the UK yeah. and France and Spain but then and then I was working on that for 12 30 and then I was updating it for 5 30 and at four o'clock then we started to get the news that the Phoenix Park had broken the record for Dublin and could potentially break the record then for Ireland yesterday. So I had to leave that and I was in the car going straight down to the Phoenix Park uh, to report on that. And we've had that quite a lot. Like I've had like, you know, um, I've 
sometimes left the office at five o'clock, having been working on something all day to go and do a live somewhere at 5.30 for something that's just happened. So you're in the car scrambling, trying to work out exactly what is going on, what you can definitely ascertain uh, and what you can definitely say. And then arriving to, I suppose, your location at 5.28 and throwing a tie on you and getting ready to, to kind of deliver a live report in the next few minutes. So it, it's, really, it's, really, it's a really exciting job. Um, it changes, like I say, in a split second. Um, so to try and describe a typical day is actually quite difficult because there is no such thing as a typical day, really. Yeah. Is it everything you expect it to be? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like media has changed so much, even in like, like I'm, I'm like I'm relatively young, like and in the in the in the industry, a relatively short time, but it's just changed so much. Like, you're working for your local paper this summer. Am I right in thinking yeah. that? Yeah. So that's how I started off. But um, like working in my local paper off the back of TY work experience. Um, that's only like, that's 15 years ago and podcasts didn't exist. You know, like social media wasn't a thing. Like I, I worked for a paper that went out once a week and they had nothing else in between, you know, that kind of way. Exactly. So um, it has changed so much in, the, in those 15 years. So I suppose maybe what I expected, maybe when I was a kid or a teenager, it's maybe diff- different. But in terms of like the... The, the bare bones of what I used to do when I was 15, 16, I'm still doing that now. Um, it's on a bigger scale and there's a lot more pressure and stuff like that. But uh, no, it is, it's, it's, it's everything you want it to be because I think it is one of those jobs that you can't work in it unless you're really passionate about what you do because it's, t- it's too difficult to do that. Um, so yeah, no, it has been. It's, it's been. it's been a really, really incredible experience so far. So at age 15 and 16, were you very solely focused on becoming a journalist, becoming a TV news reporter? Was that the sole focus? No, absolutely not. No. Um, so I did, I often look at like, I go back to TY work experience. I did three weeks of TY work experience. I did a week in my local newspaper. I did a week working with our local TV in the doll, And I did a week as a primary school teacher. Um, and if I look then at how my career unfolded over the next 10 or 15 years, it pretty much sums it up really, really nicely. So um, I was always interested in working in news and sport. Um, I used to like, I used to write match reports on my on my PC when I was a kid and after every game and save them. And like, I remember setting up, a, like a, we set up a class newspaper in fifth class and stuff like that. All those little things that I really enjoyed doing. But when I actually came to leaving school and picking a college course, I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. So I studied arts in in Pats and Drumcondra. Uh, I did English and history and French French for a year. Dropped that, and then English and history was my was my main degree. Um, and I actually went on to become a secondary school teacher for six years. Uh, I did a dip uh, an extra year, and then worked as a teacher for six years, uh, secondary school teacher. Oh. But I constantly worked part time in media. And that was right the way through from working with my local newspaper to writing for college blogs, then to working with FM 104 and with Joe.e and Sports Show. Um, until eventually a job came around at a time that it suited me to take the plunge into media full time. That's just gone three years ago now. So no is the honest answer. Like, yeah, I, I always wanted to work in media. I always wanted to work as a reporter, as a presenter. But I been in a lot of different places along the way in order to get here if that makes yeah. sense okay. but um, why did you why did you make that move you were a secondary school teacher for six years what was the decision making process and saying right i'm going to leave this and i'm going to go full-time in media yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting question so 
like I said, I'd always worked part time in media and I always had a huge passion for it. And there had been a couple of times in my career where I considered going full time. And for one reason or another, it just didn't make sense at that time. So when this opportunity came up, I was offered a job with a company I knew and liked and trusted, had worked with. It was a really exciting opportunity. It was full-time work, which is obviously really important. And it came at a really, really kind of, I suppose, appropriate time. Appropriate maybe not the word, but a suitable time in that I got offered the job in June of 2019. Uh, I had just finished teaching for the school year. If you're going to leave a teaching job, you leave it in June or July. Um, the timing of that worked out really well. And the other thing was, like at that time, so back in 2019, then I, I would have been about 27, 28. And I was kind of looking at it going, this might be the last opportunity to to jump into this two-footed and to really give this a go. And I think I would have, my, my, my main rationale was, look, this could be a disaster. This couldn't work. This might not work out. I might be back in a classroom in a year. But that being said, said, yeah. But, but that being said, I think my main thing was that I wanted to do it. I wanted to, I wanted to do it even if I failed. I wanted to do it and know that I tried I didn't want to be looking back on it when I was 40 or 50 and going, do you know what? I really wish I gave that a go because there was a couple of opportunities. So like I said, I kind of went into it with my eyes open, knowing that it could be a disaster. To be perfectly honest, there were many, many times when it looked like it was. Um, and I'm very conscious of the industry that I'm in, that it can be in a split second as well. But uh, at the moment, it has worked out well. It's taken a hell of a lot of hard work um, and a lot of... Um, sacrifice to, to to get there but i'm just i i am really really glad i took that plunge three years ago because like i said i think i would have really really regretted it in the following years if i didn't when you went full time when did you feel the moment where okay this is working out now did it was it a year into it was it two years into it when when was that moment that's an interesting one i uh, to, to be honest i think you, you kind of you can't really have those moments some, somewhat in this industry, I think, anyway. I think you kind of have to be constantly pushing and constantly changing and diversifying and proving yourself. The idea, I think, of of making it or whatever, that idea might have been around a few years ago. I just don't think it exists. They've been. I do remember one of the first moments where I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. Whereas I remember presenting a Premier League game Premier Sports in November 2019, but five or six months after I'd left. And I just remember thinking like, this is like, this is genuinely something you dreamed about doing as a kid. Um, and that was a real like pinch me kind of moment. Like um, I remember sitting in the studio beforehand and like, I'll never forget the nerves and the fear of it. But it was for me, it was a real moment of like, after, after it, it was finished, of just sitting back for a second and kind of going, this is really cool. But for me, those those moments can't last too long because you can't, you know, you can't rest in your laurels. It's very easy to kind of, I suppose, have those moments, have the social media post for it, tell people what it is you've done. But at the end of the day, like it's gone once it's done as well. You kind of have to keep moving, I think, in this industry. How did the Virgin Media role come about? Um, you obviously applied for the job. Did you go in for an interview to say, look, I am Rob O'Hanrahan. This is what I'm good at. I've been teaching for six years, but I'm now ready to, to, to hit the national airways. Yeah, it's so my first job out of teaching was with 
joe.e and sports joe.e now i was predominantly working in sport and then i started to work a little bit across news in january february of 2020 uh with the election and a couple of other things and then all of a sudden then everyone's world flipped upside down in march 2020 when COVID hit and there was no sport and we were so short on staff and so short um and also more importantly i think as well like working for joe at the time we had a really unique um avenue to young people at a time when young people needed to be spoken to about the pandemic and what was going on and spoken to in a way oh, i hate i don't mean spoken to in terms of like being given out but i mean like informed like and and informed in a way that they maybe mightn't have been done so through the more kind of traditional media so i started working in the department of health uh, press conferences i was there five days a week at the start and uh, and then a little bit less went along covering covid and with a particular focus on getting that getting those messages out to our demographic um and then in october of 2020 then um i got contacted by virgin media news about a role um i went in for an interview um and yeah it, it worked out thankfully because i'm sure you're probably the same they were Virgin Media News during during the pandemic, particularly in those early days, and then stretching in then from from my time onwards as well, they were. I found their coverage to just be incredible, and the work that was done by that entire reporting team and beyond the entire news team just was something I thought that really stood out to me anyway during the during the pandemic, and I think a lot of other people as well, um, and just how informative they were, but also that, which I think is really important, was like not just delivering messages to, to older people, like there was a real focus on talking to people who were my age or younger, and not in a way that was kind of condescending or, or, or preaching or giving out, but, but genuinely informing them. Um, so, yeah, like I said, like the, the, the idea of joining that team was like I said, it was another like it was it was another kind of pinch me moment as well. So thankfully it worked out. Yeah, I think you're right. Like the especially Virgin Media, you think you know the actual reporters from their online presence or social media presence. You see them tweeting about stuff. You feel you know the person when they're talking to you on the TV. Um, you obviously have a big social media presence now. I mean, is that part of the job? Is that part of the role now? I think it is. Yeah. Um, I I think that the way media is gone and um, you can't not have a, a social media presence um, and it can be great. It can be a great way to, 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 to interact with people. It can be a great way to spread your, your work and your reports. Um, it can be a great way to, to contact people even and, and to learn about things that are going on as well. Now there are all the negative sides that come with it, but I do think that it is incredibly important. Like the, like we have to, reach as many people as we can with what we're doing um and that does mean social media it means twitter instagram TikTok. it means reaching out to these people on different ways and, and telling stories in different ways as well which i think is really important um but to be honest i just think it's a, it's almost a non-negotiable these days um for anyone who's working in the industry because it's just i think even if you listen now if you listen to news reports on the television how often do you hear someone say x said this on twitter like it, it, so much of what happens now in news actually happens on this in this online sphere as well um so yeah it, it's become a complete non-negotiable i think for anyone in the industry yeah so when you're covering a story like what is the t what is the kind of the, the schedule 
is it you go to the story you speak to people and then you package it up and you, and you go live how does the kind of how does the day for us in that sense it, it does depend story to story so i think the most important thing that you can do as a, a as a journalist is be there i like and actually be at an event or be at something or go and talk to a community or go it's being in these places that actually is what makes these stories so we're obviously constrained somewhat in that we have to produce something for 12.30 and 5.30 and for 7. Um, so you're making calls as you go along in terms of like, okay, what is this going to look like? Am I going to be reporting live with a clip of someone I've spoken to? Is this going to be a live and I'm going to box pop people on the street? So you're constantly making these kind of editorial calls as you go along. And you're also, I suppose, depending on the story and what it is, like we, we talk about picture stories and, and like this idea that if you have great pictures, and I'm really lucky with the with the, the cameramen and women I work with because they're all incredible at their job. So if you get a certain story where you know you're going to have brilliant pictures, you know that that needs to be a package because otherwise you're not telling the story as well as it could be. Um, so you're constantly kind of making those editorial calls as you go along during the day in terms of how, how, you, how your story is progressing. What lines do you have? What are your top lines? What do you need to say? And then how you're going to say it then? And what's the best method to communicate that to everyone is it through a live report outside leinster house or is it by packaging it up and showing people exactly what it is that you're talking about um so yeah like i said it, it's kind of it depends on a story to story basis but the main thing is that you have something when when it when it knocks around and you that could be like i've had live reports where the credits are rolling in your earpiece and you're still waiting to confirm what your top line is because you need to be 100% sure before you can literally say it online or you're waiting for a guest to show up or something like that. So, um, yeah, you, you are somewhat constrained by those times, but the main thing is that you you have something and you're telling it in the way that's best suited to that story. Yeah. Um, where is Irish media at this moment in time? Is it in a good place? Is it in a bad place where do you see it at this moment in time that's a really interesting question um um i think there's i'm starting i feel anyway from what i see online is that i fear that the consumers of media here are starting to mirror what we have seen in the uk and in the us in this there's a loud minority who very actively distrust mainstream media, which is a phrase I, I hate because it's one that's routinely used by people who um, who are abusing you, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I, I worry about that. But then again, when you look at like studies that are done around trust in Irish media, there is actually quite a lot of general trust in Irish media. Um, so that's one thing I would be concerned about is that those loud minorities tend to get heard and also tend to kind of like get get listened to, to to a point, even by ourselves. I think it's kind of hard not to not to hear it when it's constantly being shouted at you uh, or tweeted at you or whatever that might be. Um, so I think that that is that would be a concern of mine. Um, I, I do think there's a lack of diversity in Irish media. I don't think we hear enough from groups who are, to be honest, completely underrepresented in media. Uh, and I think that's disappointing. Uh, and I'm hopeful that will change. Um, I, I, I just think Ireland is very different than, than a different place than what it was 20 years ago. And I'm not entirely sure that, that the voices we hear in media 
fully represent that or or the faces that we see if they fully represent that so that's something i hope will change in the coming in the coming weeks that being said i think there's a really really exciting crop of young journalists um and reporters in the media um and i i, I really saw it i thought during the pandemic um you know people like for example like Tara king richard chambers gavin riley in, in my place, like Paul Quinn, like my, our entire team is, is um, like, you know, we've all kind of grown up in this new Ireland as well. And I think that's really, really important. But even like wider than that in print, like the likes of Aoife Moore or, or Paul Hosford, um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a huge amount of really exciting young journalists coming up. Um, and I think that speaks to a really, really, hopefully a really positive future for Irish media as well. But look, they're just like we could talk about this all day in terms of like you know like what's going well and what isn't in Irish media um but they would be the three things off the top of my head that maybe would either concern me or kind of give me a little bit of hope for the future who do you look up to that's it yeah um and again there's plenty of people to do that and like to be perfectly honest like with like there are plenty within my own company who I do um like I say the likes of Richard and Zara and Gavin who have so um justifiably their profile has raised so much in the last few years but like the commitment they put into their job and the rigor that they do it with and how professional they are and, and what they do i don't think i've ever seen any of them misstep on air which is just a phenomenal thing yeah. to do paul quinn who i also work with has been he, he's genuinely one of the hardest working people i've ever seen and he can turn a story without even thinking that's how he makes it look but i know for a fact that he works incredibly hard at what he does um, and his ability to tell stories and i mean like this guy could he could go to yesterday he was covering the uh the, the midlands and he was like you know it was a really like good fun kind of story but equally i know that if he got a call at five o'clock to say to go to a murder scene that he could do that as well and he would do it incredibly well so they like within my own company they would be people i look up to and then like you look to to broader people, like I, I, I've been very fortunate in my career to have people who've backed me at really, really key moments. And, and uh, Hazel Nolan was my first real boss in media in, in FM 104. And she managed to do it with incredible work rate and work ethic. Always wanted to produce the best for whatever, but if it was a show, whether it was a news report, whether it was a broadcast, whatever but was also did it with an element of kindness, which I think is really, really important and can sometimes be lacking in the industry as well. Um, and then I suppose like you look at, like even in a broader sense, like the likes of like for me, Sarah McInerney in the last few years and how she interviews people and the rigor with which she does it and the manner in which she does it, I think it's just really, really impressive. There are like, like I said, like we're, we're kind of blessed with the wealth of talent in Irish media at the moment. Um, but quite often, I suppose, it's the people who are closest to you that you see the most. And when you see what they do to get what they to put out what they do, that can kind of really, really, I suppose it can be quite inspiring in, in part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're to look outside Ireland, if you look to the UK or America, who would be your idol maybe there? Look, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because like... Like for us, I think we're, we're we're kind of constantly looking either side, aren't we? Like, um, like the 
we're, we're kind of in Ireland, I think and we always have either whether that's kind of like, I suppose, heading abroad or, or whatever. We're kind of always looking left or right to, uh, to, to, okay. to England or the UK. Um, I, I'd be a big fan of um, Emma Barnett on Newsnight. I think she's, she's really, really impressive. Uh, Kate Burley on Sky as well. Um, his name escapes me now. I can't remember. He's one of the BBC News reporters who was in Ukraine in the thick Clive, of it. Is it Clive Tinsley, is it? That's exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clive Tinsley. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. This news reporter for me was, uh, sorry, I can't, his name escapes me now. Um, but he was brilliant. Like, he, he was presenting news bulletins from, for the BBC from, like, Kiev and Lviv. And yeah, Dnipro I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. The war, he, he kind of disappeared. Um, or sorry, disappeared. He, he, he kind of was someone to me who just really, really stood out. Uh, in terms of that but it is an interesting one you're right we do always look left and right uh when we're in ireland um either for inspiration or for, or for a place to go it's funny yeah it is um can you pinpoint the highlight of your very short spanning uh, so far media career uh what has been the highlight um that's a really difficult question um like I was saying earlier, that the presenting the Premier League game for me was 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 something that was really special. But what you do end up with is kind of milestones, maybe more than highlights for me. Um, like I think of like for example, like presenting, you know, anchoring my first bulletin for Virgin was like a huge moment for me. Hmm. Uh, that really felt like the culmination of a lot of hard work, um, and a real kind of like hitting that moment. But like I say, like you kind of you do those things and then you you have to kind of keep moving afterwards because that's just one bullet and you have to keep going because there's two more in <laughs> even that day, yeah, yeah. you know. Um to be honest, like I always look at kind of personal highlights for me are quite often the stories that you get to tell. And the one that still stands out to me was uh watching Kelly Harrington's match, the Olympic final on Portland Row with her neighbors. Um, and it was, you know, ha- I was half five on a Sunday morning. It was pitch black. We like, you know, we were kind of coming out of this, that, that, that really, really difficult lockdown in, in January 2021 through to that summer. And it just felt really, really special. Um, everything in that combined, like her family and her neighbors that morning, I had never seen someone so well loved and the way they spoke about her and just the absolute conviction that she was going to win and the moment when her hand was raised in the ring and everyone went absolutely insane and then almost at the same time turned and began to sprint down Portland Row to her family who had watched the match, watched the, watched the fight um, in the house and literally the hundreds of people and myself and the cameraman running down the road after them <laughs> in the midst, like everyone crying, everyone shouting. And then the family came out onto the road and it just, it, it felt like a real, I don't know, really kind of cathartic experience for so many of us who had kind of gone through a year and a half that we would hopefully never go through again. And then to have this moment of just absolute joy on top of it, uh, it was for me like yeah it's when you get to cover stories like that and be in places like that it's it's a privilege like there's no other way to describe it wow wow i'm gonna finish off with a quick fire round uh i give you a few questions to prepare for so you gotta be on the ball here um 
Who is your favourite journalist or broadcaster? Oh, Gavin Riley. Gavin Riley, why? Uh, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I really don't. I, 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 um, I've seen him. I like even on the other side, like working for somewhere, somewhere else, and seeing him do his lives on the other side, and then I'm going to do something similar myself. I think managing that political world is incredible. To know literally everyone, he to, to know everyone, to know the dynamics, to to recognize when a source is steering you which way or the other, to balance all that up. And then to condense it down into a minute and a half report three times a day, it, it astounds me. And that is a, it, 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 it amazed me as someone outside the kind of industry. And it amazed me even more kind of being on the inside of it now. Um, I, I think it's just, it's a, number, it's a remarkable talent um, and, and an ability to do it that I think if you're a, a broadcaster or a journalist, you should be aspiring to do. It's unreal, yeah, because he'd be my favorite as well. Okay. Um, because like you see him do that report during the day and then he's hosting the tonight show or he's interviewing a political debate like it's it's it is a lot of workload what's your favorite pastime uh oh uh sports generally playing or playing or watching um and it's kind of been nice to be out of reporting on sport the last few years because you can kind of just enjoy it for what it is do you know that kind of way like so um yeah it'd be a good way for me to unwind and, and just watching it and like even say for example like watching the all Ireland hurling final there on on sunday last it was just you, know I mean? it's, you can't you can't beat that and like i said like not working in it as much as like what i used to or at all really anymore just means that you can just enjoy it for what it is uh so yeah that's definitely something to come back on the radar last one are you into the soccer i am i am yeah um, show for so i I United fan since I was a kid, uh, but I've actually it's a funny one. I, I've kind of the last few years with the way football has gone, and with the likes of the Super League and with the money that's in it, I found myself and even particularly during COVID, watching football in empty stadiums kind of made me realise that like football is nothing without fans, but also fans don't matter anymore in this kind of like the the kind of modern game. So I've fallen away from football a little bit and kind of like. In the club sense, I still am a massive Ireland fan um, and a, a, a big fan of Stephen Kenny and, and the team at the moment. So, um, so you're Kenny yeah. in. Say again? You're Kenny in. Yes, fully. Have been since the start. Yeah, big yeah. fan of Stephen Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> What's your biggest advice to young journalists uh, aspiring to be in the media one day? Um, it's just, it's really, really simple. And it's just, you have to work hard. You have to, you will be given opportunities and you will have doors open for you. It's just a matter of grabbing that opportunity and kicking the door down and barreling in on top of it um, because you will get those opportunities. Um, it's just whether you take them with both hands and, and run with them and actually turn it into something. And that's the big thing for me is that the smallest opportunities in this industry can lead to the biggest things. Um, and I think if you talk to anyone in the industry, they all got those little breaks or they all got those little slices of luck. Um, I'm in media now because I won a competition with FM 104. And that's as simple as that. Like I won a competition to cover Dublin matches and everything kind of snowballed from that. So I think that's really important. It's just that if you get an opportunity, no matter how small you think it is, it can really, really lead to massive things. And you, all you have to do is just keep working hard at it. And if it's something that you really want to do, 
shouldn't be that hard to do it. That's that's really really true. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee. Can't drink tea. Don't like it. No. No, no, and I'll probably have my passport revoked for saying it, but uh, I tried. I have tried. I have tried to like it. No, I need like six six sugars in it, and that's just not sustainable. Once you're 330, you can't be having six sugars in your exactly, tea. Yeah. Um, like uh, no, I'm a coffee, coffee man. Uh, I I drink an Americano. I'm not into kind of like cappuccinos or like kind of milky coffees. So yeah, yeah, yeah Americano for me. Nice and simple. Just drop of milk. Drop of milk. So you're yeah. not hardcore. You're just pretty no. simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, tea is just a, it's a no-no for me, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, I think that's the biggest shock out of this interview now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your uh, favourite TV series? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm currently re-watching Band of Brothers um, for about the fifth time. That's definitely up there. Co- comedy series-wise, the two offices, US and UK. Which is better? UK, yeah. I, I, I love the US office and like, yeah, same. like I, 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 I go for the US office 90% of what I say on a daily basis tends to be a quote from the US office but no the UK office for me has always been it's uh it's just special and like it's just influenced so much of the last like 20 years um so yeah what else have we got just wait to finish the Sopranos very much enjoying that never watched it before I'm actually in the middle yeah. of it now yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it now. I've only got a few episodes left on it. Um, and The Wire is next on the list. I still haven't watched that, but I've been told that it's, uh, that it's, that it's, uh, it's impressive. That, so, they're yeah. the two answers I always get when I ask the question. It's either The Sopranos and The Wire. They're the only two answers I get. So it's good to have something a bit different. Yeah. Um, who is your favourite Virgin Media News colleague? You have to pick one. Ah, that's a very tough one. That's a very tough one. Um. Oh, look, I'm, I'm blessed with the people I work with. Um, we actually had we had a staff night out for the first time and since I started back in November 2020 there a few weeks ago, and it was just brilliant to be able to do that. I'm blessed with my colleagues. Like I really am. I, I, I like we're kind of lucky enough that like you can be with any of them and and, and uh they can uh, they're just you know like it's just very easy company and stuff. Um uh I who's, suppose who's the best night out. <laughs> I can't uh, they're, they're, they're trade secrets now <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. but in, in terms of like I look I, I suppose like I when I began working myself and, and Hannah Murphy began working in there around the same time in Virgin and we worked quite a lot together at weekends and stuff like that and dug each, dug each other out um, a lot and helped each other out in the beginning in particular and um, Paul Quinn's been brilliant to me as well um, and a great year um, so yeah, look, I said like we could we could sit here and I could go through every single colleague I have, but uh, um, no, I am very lucky with who I work with. But yeah, yeah, those two in particular stood out in the early days. Um, kind of segues on to this next question: Who's the best crack in the offices? <laughs> um, myself and uh, myself and Gavin uh, have a lot in common, a lot of interests in common. He's a big United fan as well, uh, and we would awful lot of crack if he's in there in the office. Um, Richard as well um, and then like I said we're, we're lucky in that like so we would have a meeting every day a couple times a day about like what's going on today and everyone just gets on there is a lot of crack and you, it's an industry where you have to have it as well exactly. um, do you know that kind of way because like it can be quite heavy and it can be quite tough um, so yeah you do need that kind of like a bit of back and forth between people and stuff like that like yeah we're lucky to have it absolutely if you were to have any five dinner and guests Dead or alive, who would they be? Ah, 
Oh, this is really tough. Right. Okay. Um, I so I did my degree in, in English and history. Um and Irish history has always always fascinated me. So I would have Michael Collins there. I would have Oscar Wilde there. He's my favorite writer. Um I would have Kelly Harrington there because I just think she's great crack. And um, I just think you want, yeah, you want, you want someone like that there who can kind of, you know, like break up, yeah, like break the up the conversation a little bit. Um, and then I suppose you'd want to kind of spread it out to the world then, wouldn't you? So um, I'd probably have to have a footballer in there, wouldn't I? Peter Schmeichel was my idol growing up. And he just has had a really fascinating life. And I think I'd throw him into the mix there as well. Um, and then, do you know, like last the last spot's always the hardest to fill because you've got about four or five people in there, don't you? Um, put someone in there like Trump or Crackle uh, or Boris. Or... You know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you like an American president would be fascinating, wouldn't they? This is the problem. Like you, you could throw like you'd love to throw in someone like Barack Obama. I'd love to throw in like Constance Markievicz is someone who I've always been very, very interested in in, in studies and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't throw in so I wouldn't throw in a character just to kind of stir things up. That would be my kind of dinner party now. No, and no, no, I'm always kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, Dwayne Yates is fascinating as well, and we're doing a lot of work in his early life and, and like his ideas and stuff. Or like aside from his writing, uh, very interesting to go with. Um. Who did I throw in? Should you know what you're right? Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 throw in uh, we'll throw in Trump just to mix things up. Yeah. <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, last question. Describe yourself in three words. Can't follow simple instructions. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just I couldn't resist it. Couldn't resist it. Brilliant. Brilliant, um, Rob. It's really pleasure. Thanks. <laughs>